0: Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Center podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. Come on, let's get into the Word of God. Can we have it up on the screen there so I can read it to the people? Thank you very much. God bless you. Let's have it uh, in uh, in uh, there. It is. First Samuel 22. Here it is, right? First Samuel 22. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. I want you to remember where he is in Adullam. When his brothers in his father's household heard about it, they went down there to, to him. And those who were in distress and in debt and discontented gathered around him and he became their commander, about 400 men were with him. Wait there, wait a minute, wait a minute. The young man is David. He finishes Bible college. He's got a hunger to serve God. And he says, to, he says to his senior pastor, he said, would you have a church for me? I'm hungry, just want to do something for God. The pastor says, we do. We do, we have a church that's got 400 men in it, women and children, probably about a thousand. Wow, I'm going to start off with about a 1,000 people in the church? Yeah. He said, it's going to be a great church, but not to begin with. Why is that? Because 400 of the men, the entire church is discouraged. It's in discontent. It's uh, it's in debt. And it's completely distressed. And uh, there's no hope in them. Would you have a different church I can pastor? Why do I need to start with something like that? God says to David, you're going to do something great, young man. You're going to lead a nation one day. But before you do that, I want you to get connected with brokenness and despair. I want you to understand how to touch people who are hurting and who are distressed. I want you to know how to empathize with people and how to feel what they feel and experience what they experience. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you a crash course. I'm going to send them all to you. Now, David's life is out of control. He's being hunted by Saul like an animal. And all he wants to do is work out what on earth is happening with me fair enough, and he goes and finds his own personal cave. Listen, are you anything like me? When your world is out of control, and things don't make sense, and you're in a place of despair yourself personally, and you want to find your own little space where you can just find out what the heck's going on, how many think that if somebody else wants to join you with all their grief and despair, you feel like saying, listen, Go find your own cave, Mac. I've got mine. But to have 400 of them come and join you is a little bit over the top. So the next passage you read is one book later. Can we have that up on the screen? In 2 Samuel 23, verse 13, David, during the harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at where? Well, what's that all about? What in the world is that all about? We just read that in the cave, the people were distressed, discouraged, disillusioned, and in debt. Don't you have to ask yourself, where on earth did three from 30 warlords come from? Because that's not the picture that was painted in the cave. The picture that's painted in the cave is a whole group of people who are totally cactus. Where did three men from 30 more warlords come from and one of them alone slew 800 Philistines and the other one, 300, slew them in a field of lentils, probably trying to protect the lentils? I would have said to the Philistines, you can have the lentils. I don't like lentils. Who does not like lentils? Who hasn't got a clue what lentils are? Don't bother finding out. Don't you want to know? I want to speak to you. Can we just put the next one up? I want to speak to you. I want to speak to you on the subject of atmosphere. I feel it in my spirit for the church here. Atmosphere. Don't you want to know What changed the atmosphere in that cave? Come on, don't you want to know that? What on earth happened to change the atmosphere in that cave? Glenn Barrett, who's connected with our church, was working for a boss. And the boss was concerned that the plants were dying. He didn't know why the plants were dying. Glyn had a friend who was a very successful orchid grower. He asked him to come and have a look at the plants in the greenhouse. He came to have a look at the plants. He didn't even bother looking at the plants. The first thing he said was, he said, you will never grow anything healthy in this place because your atmosphere is wrong. I can tell by the atmosphere that the plants are rotting. And he flicked over the leaf and saw the damage that was happening. He said, get your atmosphere right and watch growth explode. The phrase shifting the atmosphere means to change or move a tone or mood from one position to another. God spent... God spent five days creating the right atmosphere before he created man to increase and reproduce. On the third day alone was vegetation, plants and trees to bring oxygen. He spends five days to create atmosphere. I love it. I loved it. I love it. When at 18 years of age, I got saved, there was a move of God happening in the body of Christ. Half the... I turned up as a visitor. 20 minutes before the church service started. 20 minutes. Half the church was full. 20 minutes. There was a buzz. There was an expectation. The first thing that this 18-year-old boy that didn't know a thing about Christianity... The first thing he encountered was atmosphere. I walked into the place and it was like, oh, my word. I said, what is this? That's, no one said a word. I said, what is this? The band gets up, the people play, the people worship. There was an atmosphere like here. And I think to myself, Lord, would you do a number on the church? just to get it here on time. For the sake of somebody like me, Lord, coming. For the sake of the 18-year-old that doesn't know Jesus Christ. Father, would you do a number on the church that we'd get excited and just bring an atmosphere with us in the house because it impacted me. It impacted me. We're not here for ourselves. We're here to touch a region, to touch a city, to see people come to Christ. I've never been the same since baptised in the Holy Ghost. I carry an internal atmosphere. Atmosphere does not start from outside in. It starts from inside out. Doesn't it? I was in a plane going from the Gold Coast to Avalon Airport. I'm sitting there in the aisle seat and in the window seat is a sharp looking girl about 25 years of age. She's crook as man, sick as. I thought I'm not talking to her. How's that for a good Christian response? Jesus has got a lot of work to do with me, Pastor John. And I thought middle seat, there's no one in the middle seat Finally, a lady comes, sits in the middle seat. I thought, good, there's a buffer. <laughs> I open up the laptop and I get on with the, the work of the Lord. You would have thought I'd pray for the woman that was crook, wouldn't you? Like, cool, geez. I open the laptop and I start working on my lectures. The lady in the middle seat glances across, sees my letterhead, Planet Shakers College. She says, are you from Planet Shakers? Oh, I thought, no. I said, yes. I said, you've heard of us? She said, oh, yeah. She said, oh, I'm a Christian. Going through a bit of rehab in, in the drug and alcohol thing. We talked a little bit. The lady on the window seat is eavesdropping. You know Stuff that you people do sometimes. She gets involved a little bit in the conversation. I'm thinking, got two Christians here and a non-Christian. Zoran, come on. It's safe. There's a buffer. You can talk to the lady. So I talked to her. She's sketching away a picture. I said, what are you sketching there? I said, that looks really nice. I said, what's your name? She said, Jara. I don't know where my headspace was. Oh, I said, yeah, Timber Quality, nice name. I said, what's got you into sketching? She said, it brings the spirituality out of you. I said, you got any spiritual background? She said, no. But she started to talk about her involvement with the New Age and Buddhism and Hinduism. And she uses the word enlightenment. And I, li- I said, Enlight- I said, enlightenment has the word light in it. I said, "Chara." I said, I'm into light also. She said, are you? I said, yes. I said, yes. Your light, Jarrah, your light is my light. She goes, ooh. I said, Jarrah, no comparison. Your light, mediocre, my light, Superior. She said, What do you want? She said, You're out of your mind. I said, No, no, I'm out of your mind. If I was in your mind, I would be. I said, But you and me, Jarrah, I'm. I said, Your light is 50 watts. Little night light in the bedroom. I said, Jarrah, big difference between that and something that lights up the MCG. That's me, Jarrah. She said, my word. She said, you are a peculiar person. I tell you, never was a scripture more relevant then than be a peculiar people and a royal priesthood. She said, what is this light you're talking about? What what thing is that? I said, it's not a thing, Jarrah. It's not a thing. I said, it's Jesus Christ who said he's the light of the world. I said, I'm not just into light, Jarrah. I'm into pure light. Pure light, Jerry. you have no idea. Pure light. How could you possibly understand what's in me? I said, you know what you need to do. I said, why don't you get yourself, how far do you live from Burley? She said, oh, about, I'm down from Tweed Heads half an hour. I didn't even realise the connection and the carry on with the words. I said, why don't you go to Glow Church? <laughs> I didn't even think glow light, you know. Here's my card. Tell them, I met a strange man on the plane that goes to some joint called Planet Shakers. He said, if I come to the church here, I'll find pure light. I said, they'll know what that means. And if they don't, I'm thinking, man, they're not Christians, you know. (laughs) You know what she said to me? She said, I've just recently been thinking about changing my friends, running with people that want to make a difference in life. I said, oh, my word, Jarrah. When I said, I am totally lit. I said, you need to get together with people that are lit. But not nightlight people, Lord. She said, you know what's funny? She said, I'm on this flight to Avalon with you. I said, yeah, I never fly to Avalon. I said, don't, what do you mean? She said, I come to Melbourne regularly. I always fly to Telamarine. I made a mistake and pushed the wrong button and went to Avalon. I said, no mistake. No mistake. No mistake. I said, I said Jarrow, I'm running into people all the time because my whole life is an assignment as yours can be. She said, so you don't believe in coincidence? I said, come on, Jarro, this is about destiny. She was so mesmerized by the conversation, but I am a big believer in carrying atmosphere. You with me? What are we building in our own homes? Come on, people. Hey, what's happening in our own homes? Are we cultivating an atmosphere? What happened in that cave? Are we cultivating an atmosphere of faith? I need it for my football team at the moment. My Lord. Atmosphere does several things. It provides breath. The earth's atmosphere enables us to breathe. The Holy Ghost in us is full of God's breath. Atmosphere protects against harmful UV light against foreign objects that come into the earth's atmosphere and get burnt up. My God, the Holy Ghost in us ought to be creating such an atmosphere. The foreign particles of sin, addiction, and all sorts of nonsense and mindsets and carry-ons and and, and the way that he wants to influence our thinking should burn up on its re-entry. It can't touch us because it can't even get through the atmosphere. They can't touch you because you have atmosphere. Insecurity, control, manipulation can't touch you because you have atmosphere. Unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness can't touch you. It burns up before it can even touch your heart. It's burnt. It's burnt. Because we are God's people full of the Holy Ghost. There's no room for that nonsense in our life. Is there? Amen. Atmosphere provides breath, protects against UV, ultraviolet, radiation. Atmosphere regulates temperature. It keeps the, wet, the, earth, the earth's air is kept warm from freezing. Otherwise, we'd become the moon. Oh, come on, people. Atmosphere, when people come in contact with you, they ought to feel warmth. Who's with me? Come on. They ought to feel warmth. They ought to not feel and come in contact with a person that's cold. What makes you cold? Come on. Who's the deep freeze person? Come in contact with you, there's warmth, there's love, there's a touch of God upon you. What happened in that cave? To transform four hundred deadbeat men into highly influential leaders. You ought to be warmth. I'm not even going to finish this, but I'm here tonight. I can finish it tonight. There ought to be warmth. Lauren Cunningham from Youth With A Mission has a friend. He and his wife during World War II. The Nazis found out what they were doing. They were doing something illegal in the eyes of the Nazis, but not in the eyes of God. They were protecting the Jews they found out. They busted the door down and surprised them, caught the Jews. They took the Jews and the man left his wife into a Nazi concentration camp. True story. Not much of an atmosphere in a Nazi concentration camp. Not much of an atmosphere externally. Well, the poor guy... This dear Christian man is in there being fed nothing but water and a bit of bread, withering away to skin and bones in those prison rags. He was there for a long time. And the Nazi commandant got some soldiers to get him out of his barracks and bring him to the commandant's office. In the office, the commandant is sitting on his chair with his legs up against the table And next to his legs is a beautifully hot-baked meal. And he brings this dear man, who's hungry as, into his office. It's winter's day. It's the cold chill of the night. Just the aroma and the steam coming off the food was tormenting enough for him as it was filling the atmosphere. He looks at him, and the German officer says to him, I brought you into my office today to tell you that every single day that you have been here, your wife has brought a beautifully hot baked meal every day and every day I've eaten it. Only today I'm going to eat this one in front of your face. The old man says, Christian man says, Herr Commandant, I miss my wife and I love her dearly. And miss her food. She's a good cook. My wife would be absolutely pleased to know that you have enjoyed the effort that she's gone to, to cook this meal. And I hope that you will enjoy this meal as much as you've enjoyed all the others. The commandant, watch this, watch. The commandant says, Get this man out of my office. I never want to see him again. You ready for this? A kind person carrying an atmosphere of kindness, a kind person has the power to live in a mean person's world, but a mean person does not have the power to live in a kind person's world. Because one atmosphere is more potent and more powerful than the other. It's the difference between a 50 watt night light and lighting up the planet. War, the war breaks, the war's finished, and God spares this man's life. He's been good to him in prison. When the war finishes, he goes back to his building business, and God blesses him, and his business thrives. One late evening, he's walking down the, the, the alleyway. And as he turns the corner to look across diagonally to his timber yard, he notices a truck has pulled in, And the two men are loading his timber on their truck. Well, he does what we all do. He reacts and then backs up into the dark alleyway and says, Lord Jesus, what would you have me to do? And Jesus gives him a plan. Well, he goes to the timber yard. He says to the two men, watch, gentlemen, you look like you've got a fair bit of work ahead of you. Could you do with a hand? They said, we sure could. We'd like to get out of here quickly. Jumps up on the tray truck and loads his timber on their truck. As they're loading the trimmed timber together and talking, the Christian brother says to them, listen, that pile over there is of a far, far more superior pile and you get more money for it than this one. Well, let's load that one. Now they're loading the more expensive timber. As they're loading the timber, the two men said to him, how come you know so much about timber? And as they're working, he says, I own the place. The two men, he's loading and the two men, they said, you own the place. He said, that's right. He said, Can, he said we're not done yet, so we keep working? If you own the place, you, you must know that we're thieves. He said, I'll work that out. He said, they said, why are you doing this? Oh, look, he said, I can see that you're troubled about this. He said, listen, he said, why don't we make an exchange? Why don't I give you a truckload of timber and you just give me 10 minutes of your time to share how you could live your life better? They gave him 10 minutes. He shared the love of Christ, the atmosphere that, you with me? The internal atmosphere was more potent than the external. He's sharing the love of Jesus. Ready? Both men on their knees on the trade truck, crying, inviting Christ in their life. One of them went to become an elder in a church, the other one a pastor in Europe. One of his friends comes to this Christian man and says, hey, 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 we found out where the commandant lives. Would you like his address? Oh, he said that would be very, very good to have his address. Do you need any help? Oh, no, 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 that's not necessary. He goes to his wife and he says to his wife, love, when I was in prison, you baked all those meals. Could you bake four? She said, what for?" And he tells her. Well, they're off to the commandant's home. And they knock. He's not the skin and bone man anymore. He's filled out. He's healthy. Knocks on the door. The German officer says, yes, can I help you? He said, her commandant, he said, I don't know if you remember. No, I don't remember you. He said, can I just jog your memory? He said, when the war broke out, I was in your prison. Do you remember the day that you invited me into your office and my wife was bringing the meals? I remembered how much you loved her meals. And I thought now that we're in peacetime, maybe we could share it together. Would that be all right? She's got got some... He invites him in. His wife prepares the table. They're sitting opposite each other. The fork doesn't even go into the food. He looks at him. He says, why are you doing this to me? He said, I'm finding this very difficult. I'm finding it as difficult as what it was in prison. But I've come to share with you the strength within my own life that I've found to be able to survive prison, still abides in me. It's not a natural strength. It's supernatural, and with it is a supernatural love to love the unlovable. And it is not my place to despise you or hate you or be resentful, for how could it possibly be my place to do that when Jesus Christ has forgiven me of everything? I have no right to hold anything against you. But I want to share this great love that I carry in my own heart and soul, a longing that I would love for you to have. Do you know that guy, that hardened, steely German officer started to break? Tears shedding down his cheeks, stretches out his arm, touches this man. He said, pray for me that I can have in me what you have in you. He brought that man to Jesus Christ because the atmosphere of his own spirit and his own life was brighter than anything that that man carried in his darkened soul. What happened in the cave? No time to talk about that. I'll talk about it tonight. But I can tell you something, that what this man carried in his spirit in that prison is the same light that David carried in the cave. We are called to shift atmospheres. And I'm wondering what it is in your heart and in your life. I'm prophetically kind of speaking now just moving in and out, Holy Spirit moving in and out of the crowd here. It's his business. This is his business. You belong to him. He's moving in and out of you because he shows me in the spirit, in the spirit, that your life is like the earth and some of you have allowed certain things on the re-entry into the earth's atmosphere not to burn up. And have allowed it to penetrate the atmosphere and come into your heart. And when it lodges in your heart, it stays there for some of you for a long time. And begins to grow when it should have been burnt up. It begins to grow and fester. And you begin to cultivate an atmosphere in your own heart that is not the one that Jesus wants. You with me? Can I have a, my dear brother, keyboard player? Actually, just get the whole band up here, my dear man. And, And play me something, would you? I don't know what you can play, but just something the Holy Spirit gives you. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to burn some things up. Never too late things that we've allowed to come into the atmosphere of our life. Pride should have been replaced with humility. Hatred should have been replaced with love. Resentment should have been replaced with kindness. Selfishness should have been replaced with selflessness. self-serving, self-absorbed is, should be replaced for others. S- some people in the Christian world were once pace setters and boothers and shakers in the kingdom of heaven and they've resigned at the age of 25 from serving any longer and I'm thinking, my oh God, they've already hit 90. I've met men who are 70, 75, who are more fervent for the things of God than 20 and 25 and 30-year-olds. What the heck is that? I said to the church when I was in my mid-30s, I said, I can't wait to be 50. Church comes up, some of the church members come up to me, why do you want to get older? I said, why? When I hit about 50, my kids will be married and I'll have more disposable income. I said, I'll have more time, I'll have more peace. I said, I'll be able to do a lot more. I turned 50, now I say, I can't wait. To turn 60 and 70. They say, Pastor, why do you want to turn 60 and 70? I said, My God. I said, I'm going to go from influencing the generation of my children to influencing my children's children. Boy, I can't wait. I'm already trying to tell my two and a half-year-old who lives in Nashville who's my son-in-law barracks for Carlton. I'm already telling her the cats. To influence the grandchildren, to be firebrands for the Holy Ghost. I think that's why God's got me in this Planet Shakers things for now anyway. Because I've got so many of them in front of me, man. I'm very unorthodox at college. I give them such a hard time. Such a hard time. But then they want to catch up with you. You know, it's funny. It's like young people want to be challenged. I said to them one time, I said, I caught up with a former student, guys. End of year, last year, final chapel service, I'm speaking. I said, I caught up with a former student who's telling me he's backsliding. He's telling me he's finding it hard at work. He's telling me it's difficult to shine the light. He's the only Christian in his workplace. I said, when you leave college here, do not insult me and come back and talk to me like that. I said, spare a thought for for David Livingston, who left his country and his people and went to Africa and served where there was no Christian community, where there was no midweek group, where there was no band, where there was no atmosphere because he carried an internal atmosphere to make an impact. My God, you're going to leave college. You're going to still be able to be a part of the church. You'll still be able to be a part of the midweek group. You'll be able to put a CD in there and listen to worship. You'll be able to go to a workplace where there's no Christian and you'll be able to be a missionary there to shine the light of Christ. Don't tell me you're the only one there. Thank God you are. Weak as water sometimes. What are we carrying? What are we carrying? We're carrying the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.